Hello and welcome to another edition of Here's the Pitch, sponsored by Massa's Restaurants in St. Louis. Five locations, stlmassas.com is their website. Find all the locations. They're open. They're serving up meatballs and beef pepes, my favorite, Big Al specials. Uh, but this is exciting today because I'm going to talk with Scott Spezio, the Cardinal legend from the 2006 World Series. You can see him. You can hear him. I'm excited to see you. No red chin, as Cardinal fans always want to talk about. But uh, Scott, good yeah. to see you. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm uh, live from my parents' uh, furniture store in Morris, Illinois. And the name of that store is. So, if people want to buy some furniture, what kind of deals they got these days? <laughs> Spezio's Furniture. Uh, they're actually getting ready to retire. It's uh, the business they started in '72 when I was born. And uh, they're getting they're getting close to closing now, so it, there's a lot of really good deals coming now. So wait, is Ed in there doing like, hey, come get a couch and a free uh, pillow or something like that? Uh, not yet, but maybe in the, maybe in a little bit. So um, it's it's good to see you. And uh, we did one of these a couple I don't remember how long ago, but the audio wasn't great, and it was we I put it out there, and people were like I can't hear him, and then so you even said let's do another one. So I said, let's get Scott back on here. So I'm glad now we can actually see you. We can talk to you. This is even better. You sound great. And I keep telling you, you look great. I don't know why I keep saying that, but I say that all the time. Thanks. You too. And I feel feel really good. I wish I I could lose about another 40 pounds and I'd feel really good. Yeah, COVID hasn't helped me. I've actually, I'm not doing any workouts. I'm just, just sitting here eating a lot of Hot Pockets. Right. What are you, so the good thing is I... Yeah, I, the good thing is I have a weight room uh, that I used when I was playing, and my oldest son Tyler uh, is a football player at Williams College, and and uh, so he's been off. Their season got canceled. He's going to take the semester off, so he has two more years of eligibility. So I got a lifting partner. So I've been lifting. I'm strong. I just like to eat after <laughs> too much. That's always my problem. I, it sounds stupid, but the more I actually do physical activity, like run or Whatever I come home and I just eat like five thousand calories because I'm just insatiable. So uh, I know you're gonna. Well, we're gonna talk about what you're doing now with your your you're managing a baseball team. But before that, how was COVID for you? Just kind of being were you stuck inside the house? You got a lot of property where you're up in kind of near Joliet, Dwight Morris. Mm-hmm. So if you're driving up 55 from St. Louis on your way to Chicago, you know these. I think it's exit 220. I'm fairly certain I've had to stop in Dwight. Wow. Yeah, I, I've made this. I'm I'm calculating in my head where do I need to get gas before I hit the the, the uh, traffic of Chicago. Yeah. So how did you uh, handle uh, COVID and uh, up there? Did you get a chance to get out and play around a little bit because you have some land, or did you stay in? Yeah, so it, it, it wasn't too bad for me. Um, I've got 40, 46 acres uh, with a creek and, you know, trees, and, and I got my weight room and batting cage and, and the basketball court. So I was able to do a lot of stuff and, and it was kind of cool for me because my, my three oldest kids came over a lot and still do. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing whatever. I mean, we even kayaked my Creek behind me to the golf course, which is, it's about a five minute drive, but it took a two hours to kayak it because of the Creek winding and stuff. But it's been, it's been not too bad for me. You know, my parents store had a close for a long time, but uh, they're back open now. It's it's changed a lot of a lot of things around me, but for me, you know, it hasn't it hasn't. Uh, but we, you know, we're talking about the the managing thing. Do you want me to talk about that? Let, let's hear about manager Scott Spezio. I also looked this up. Glenn Allen Hills up there with you too. I mean, there's some powerful people, uh, power hitters. Uh, well, he's the power hitter. You were more of a doubles guy, but uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about the, what you've been doing because there's a there's a baseball uh, organization up there that you're you're managing a team. Yeah, so, so Glenn Allen Hill had like 180-something home runs. I had 120. So between us, we have 300. That's what I like to say. I would say his went probably 5,000 feet further than yours, though. <laughs> I think he hit one over yeah, the, over the one at Wrigley. This is the one everyone remembers. Yeah, he hit it on the five-story building, on the roof of the five-story building across, and they keep playing it. And they keep playing my the, the one that I hit in uh, game two, it wasn't a home run. It was a triple in game two against the Mets in 2006. So, and, and then my game six home run was in the first row. And, you know, the Angels used to call me first row Spezio. So I, 
I always tell them it's a waste of energy hitting them that far. That's what I tell Glenn Allen now. But uh, yeah, so so you know, baseball, all the minor league teams got canceled. Uh, the seasons, uh, independent baseball got canceled. So we have an independent team at Joliet called the Joliet Slammers, and my whole family has been you know from from Joliet. And now we live in Morris, Illinois, which isn't too far away. But uh, it was kind of neat uh, that they called me up because they, they decided they were going to have a four-team uh, league uh, managed by all former major, major league players. Glenn Allen Hill uh, is coaching his son, Glenn Allen Hill Jr., uh, who was drafted, I think, by the Diamondbacks uh, last year. And, uh, and then Billy Petrick, who, was, who pitched for the Cubs, uh, Corky Miller, who was with the Reds and, and uh, for, I don't know, I think 12 years or so, and then me. And uh, what we're doing is just having a 27-game uh, schedule per team, uh, just playing ourselves in that stadium only. And uh, we got like 26, 27-man rosters, a lot of uh, affiliated guys. Uh, you know, I've got a guy named Dietrich Enns on my team who was a, a major league pitcher for, for the uh, Twins a couple years ago. And he looked like a major league pitcher the other day for me. He threw four innings, and uh, I think he only threw 45 pitches and struck out like seven guys. So uh, we got some some pretty good pretty good uh, you know players in the league. Anywhere from from guys that were formerly in the big leagues is down to rookie ball uh, guys, and and uh, I, they're just the cool thing is they're all excited to play because they, you know this is a crazy year. I've never seen anything like it. You know, there's only five rounds of the draft, you know, uh, college players didn't get to play, uh, you know, independent players didn't get to play. Minor league guys didn't get to play. So, and a lot of them got released too. a lot of really high prospect guys that are on the four teams that are getting to play now. It's, uh, you know, it's cool for me. And that's, that's what, you know, all of us talk about it. It's, it's really not for us. We're, we're there to try to help these guys, get them some playing time, you know, give them a little bit of our experience as, as big leaguers and try to help them. And, and you know, it's for me, it's kind of neat to see if, you know, if I can physically do it again. You know, I threw like 600 pitches to BP the other day. And I was hanging after that. But, uh, you know, it's kind of fun for me to get back on the field, too. So you're saying that I th- this is kind of a real league. I can't come up and say, "Hey, I got this knuckleball I've been working on for like the last ten years. I want to try it out." Yeah, no, this is. I get a lot of people asking me about that. Um, no, this is serious players. I mean, these guys can play and pitch, and uh, it's been fun so far. We're only two or three games per team. I got rained out on Sunday, um, so we would we would have had three games in by now. But uh, we're two and zero, so I won. You know, I was happy to win my first game against my my other uh, Morris competitor here. Billy Petrick is from Morris too. He was like six, seven, maybe eight years younger than me. Um, yeah, probably maybe more than that, <laughs> maybe ten or twelve years. But uh, yeah, he could still pitch. So it was it was good. That I was hoping I'd get that first win against Billy because we're really good friends and and it was fun. Uh, you know, drafting our teams together and then. And then get to compete against each other. Now we face them again next Saturday, so it's, it'll be a rematch. I think he's two and one right now, and I'm I'm two and zero. Oh. So are fans involved? Can fans show up for this, or is it COVID uh, sort of MLB like? No. You... Yeah, yeah. That's the cool thing about it is uh, it's about a five thousand uh, seat stadium, real nice, all turf. Um, beautiful ballpark in, in downtown Joliet. And uh, I think they're letting in 20%. So somewhere, you know, 2,000 or whatever. Um, and so far we've got some, we've got some pretty good turnouts. Uh, I don't think tickets are much, maybe 15 bucks or something. Um, but you're getting to see a good, a good caliber team. You know, usually it's an independent, independent team. Now we've got, you know, I think I've got four affiliated guys on my team. So, um, you know, I, I, we're, we're like uh, Thriller Watson, who is a U of I guy, uh, Sean Leland, uh, another U of I guy. Uh, Thrillo, the Do- he was drafted by the Dodgers, so the Dodgers are saying, okay, he can only have 35 pitches, you know, and after that he's got to have two days rest. So there's, there's certain guys, uh, you know, I've got a catcher, uh, Nick Meyer for the Mets, that, you know, they're, they're really pushing me to make sure he gets his at-bats, so... <laughs> 
I want to play everybody, but at the same time, I'm getting pressure from these affiliated teams, you know, Alex McKenna with the, the Astros. And, and so, you know, it, it's hard to get guys to bats and also have the affiliated guys get as many as they can. So it's kind of, it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit like managing a big league team, but, uh, but it's also a lot, probably a lot more fun too. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably have some uh, managerial guys that, oh, no, Hall of Fame guy, Tony LaRusso, you could call. <laughs> I want to talk about that a little bit, but let us let me just kind of run run through some memories here a little bit, and we'll kind of maybe end with uh, more about what the, the Juliet uh, team is doing. So I know we always want to talk about 06, and I think it's crazy to me when I when I think about 06. Uh, you show up, uh, and, and I didn't realize I I knew that it was rough in Seattle, but I th- you hit 064. I mean, it was that was not a good season. That was a rough year for you. You come here, and everything works out. Um, I, but I always think what's amazing to me is when there's a championship team, and we've in my lifetime here, there's been three of them. Uh, 82. You can name the backup catcher, Glenn Brummer, John Stuper. You can name all these guys. Uh, 85, 87. All the teams that went to the playoffs. There's always this this bond of players that that had like Sotoguchi's a part of that 06 team, and everyone loves Sotoguchi. Everyone loves you. What does that make you feel like when you know that you didn't play every day, but you did have a lot of at bats and you contributed huge? There was big hits, big 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 moments down the stretch. Um, that the the Cardinal fans will always remember you for those moments, as they remember your dad because he was a part of a, a championship team as well. It probably it probably helps to know that. You probably knew that from because of your dad being part of one of those teams that this would be something that you would have to live with the rest of your life with if you didn't want to not even if you didn't want to one. I don't know. What I'm trying to say, Scott. <laughs> so, I no, if it, I got you. Yeah, it feels. I mean, it's an incredible feeling. You know, I being a part of you know the old when when the Cardinals would bring my dad back for for the '64, '67, and even '68 teams. Uh, just. just the fans coming up and asking for his autographs and, and talking about those, those teams. It's just amazing. And seeing his old teammates, you know, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Shannon, all those guys was just, it was, it was so neat to be a part of. So growing up, I always wanted to be, you know, a, a world series winner. So when I got to do it in 2002, it was, it was incredible. Um, but my dad had two, so I always wanted that second one. To do the second one, to be to be able to after a horrible year, have actually two pretty bad years in Seattle. Now I, I had some injuries and which ended up leading to some bad decisions. But uh, you know I tried to play through them, and then you know it, I should have never done that. And then the next year they really hardly ever played me. I think I only had forty something at bats. But um, so to, to be able to have that chance where the Cardinals gave me an opportunity as minor league invited in, in uh, two thousand six. And then giving my dad's number twenty six was pretty pretty amazing thing, and uh, so you know what, as soon as they they called me and said, "Hey, we're we're having you in, we're giving giving you a shot to make the team," I went out and dyed this you know dyed my soul patch red, and the rest was history. And I I just from day one I thought we were going to win it, and to be to be a part of that team and a part of, part of history. That's the one thing. It's like once that final out is made, once you know Wainwright. Strikes, strikes out, I think it was Inge, or once Ersted, you know, catches the ball off uh, Kenny Lofton for the final out. It's something that nobody can ever take away from us as a team and us as a city and, and the fans and the organization. And it's it's just, it's it's so special, you know. I wish everybody could feel that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's incredible. You know, these guys that, that uh, I was teammates with down there, you know, Edmonds and, and Roland and, and Carpenter and just every one of them, you know, you, you could pick up the phone at any time and same with the Angels and call them and they would be right there for you. You know, it's it's more than a teammate. It's just like this bond that that is forged in the fire of playoffs and World Series championship, you know, atmosphere. It's, it's incredible. I think it's also like as a fan, which I always was a fan first, I love I loved the teams, but you know that you've got a, a team that's really good, but when you start getting further away from them, you realize how great they were. And you mentioned the names of Carpenter and Roland and Edmonds and Pujols and Yachty. I mean, we've got three guys that 
potentially will be in the Hall of Fame. Two that I thought should have been. Jim Edmonds should not be should not be off the ballot. Um, it's just it was just a fun team. Do you have like a, a, a couple favorite stories about that team? I mean, that team was there was some fun going on with that team too because you had a lot of young kids in the bullpen. You had a young Chris Duncan. I know Tyler Johnson and Chris Duncan were having lots of fun. I know you were having fun. I got to be part of it, see it from afar, but be close to it. Uh, do you have any special memories from? I mean, I miss Chris Duncan so much. It's still, just that th- that happened. Uh, Josh Hancock was on the team. Another guy that, yeah. Uh, but do you have any special memories that come up about people or, or, or moments? The you know, I remember Josh Kinney getting scared by Adam Wainwright and on his, on his first game up with Atlanta. Adam, you know, waited in his uh, hotel room bathtub, and Josh Kinney walked in and he goes, "Holy shit, this room is huge!" And Wainwright jumped out. I just think those kind of stories are great. Oh, it's great. I, there's a couple that pop out. Uh, you know, David Eckstein, I got to, to win the championship with him in 2002 with the Angels. And then again in 2006, well, he he didn't like to spend money at all. So I think he had like a, I don't know, I, I always say it was like a 95 white Maxima car, you know, because he didn't spend any money. So he just signed like a big four-year deal or something. So I was just riding him the whole year, you know, like, come on, man, just get, just like, just get a car. Let's go, you know. I get a new car. He's like, no, no, no. So when we went on the road, we'd park out at like the airport Hilton or something. And uh, so we we had a, a guy that would kind of, we'd give him the keys and he would, you know, wash the cars or change the oil or whatever, you know, while we were on the road trip. And so when I, I told him, I called him up and I said, hey, do me a favor, put some really crazy looking spinners on Eckstein's car. <laughs> so when we went on the road, we co- you know, we he did it. When we come back, we, the bus pulls up, and he's got the spinners spinning on on his '95 Maxima, you know. And I'm I'm videoing it, going, "Tip my ride, X, tip my ride." And uh, for five days, he he had to have those because he had to take the tires, the wheels off to get them off. So for five days, he was riding that those spinners to the park and and home every night. It was it was hilarious. So when he won the MVP. Of the, of the World Series, they gave him the yellow Corvette, and I remember him asking, "Hey, what are, what are you going to do with the with that Corvette?" And he goes, "I know what I'm not doing. I'm not but Spezio have the keys." So that was that was one hilarious story. But uh, you know, I I also we had a thing where every time we um, we we'd win, like with Anaheim when we clinched it uh, during the regular season to win the wild card, I we we're in Texas. I picked them up and dumped them in the tank with all the champagne and everything, and then I'd jump in with them. So every time we'd win a series, you know, you know the AL, the AL, uh, DS, the ALCS, and the World Series, I'd do it. So when we went to the Cardinals, as soon as, you know, we won, the, when the Braves beat uh, Houston the last game of the season, I, I, we did the same thing and all the way through the World Series. And, uh, and I told him, I said, hey, if we win, you got it. He never drank alcohol in his life, and and uh, and I said you got to do it one shot with me if we win it. He goes, if we win it, I'll do it. And to this day, it's the only shot, the only alcohol he's ever drank. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing I did did for him or not, but uh, you know, it was it was a special thing, and uh, you know, like I said, just just incredible memories with those guys. If I hopefully someday I'll write a book and and write all the things that I can remember down. I'm mad about that because I that was my first year traveling like the like the full season with the team and I just all of these things that I saw that were just little funny stories like the Adam Wainwright one I remember the the first trip I took Adam Wainwright sat behind me on the plane and he's like hey hey you want a beer and I remember that just being funny that Adam Wayne I'm like oh this might be like my initiation like this is a rookie I'm a rookie we're both on the plane together. And now he's Adam Wainwright, and I'm still here in my basement doing podcasts. But yeah, the, the book thing, I wish that's what is really bothersome is that I didn't write all this stuff down because there's a lot of long nights yeah. and I don't remember uh, some of the fun stuff. Although I remember being out with you a couple nights, you and Tony LaRusso in Cincinnati, like very oddly. <laughs> it was fun. I had a good time. Um, yeah, Tony and I ended up in a lot of the same spots <laughs> that year, the 2006 and 2007. I don't know if that's good or bad having two two Italian guys, you know, in the same spot. But 
you know, I did learn a lot from him. Uh, he was, he'd always, I'd ask him, you know, hey, why'd you do this or why'd you do that? And he'd always tell me, he's an amazing guy. You I was going to say, he, he, I just saw him, la- I just saw him last, last November. Uh, me and my dad went to a major league uh, players alumni association banquet and, and got to spend some time with him. So it was pretty neat. I mean, there's, I've been doing a lot of former Cardinals over this COVID, Brian Jordan, uh, Andy Bennis, uh, just a bunch of former Cardinals. And we, we talk about it, Tony all the time. I lo- I'm, I'm fascinated by him. I really am. And the fact how loyal he is, once you're in his good graces or you're his guy, he is going to fight for you. And I think that's Cardinal fans didn't really know what to think of him. But I think by the time 04, 05, 06 came around and you started winning a lot and he was fighting with Dusty Baker, like he became our guy to go fight the yeah. Card- the, the Reds and the Cubs. And, and the Cardinals became loyal to him as he became loyal to the Cardinals. But I would just be curious, just his, the loyalty and, and the, the fact that you talked about. I mean, he kept bringing you back. Uh, I, I know that he knew you probably had some issues that you wanted to you needed to fix, but he was still going to make sure that you, you got back to this team. Talk about Tony a little bit. Oh, yeah. He always had – he's got everybody's back. I mean, uh, you know, when I ended up having my problem in 2007, I really didn't know what I was dealing with, you know, because, I, you know, I, I had never dealt with anything like that, addiction or anything like that. And so uh, when – when news got out to the paper before, you know, we could explain stuff, he was furious. I mean, he was really mad. And, and then when I came back after the, the short rehab stint, which looking back, I probably should have done longer. And I think it would have stuck because it was so early in, in my, uh, you know, in my addiction. But uh, he was just, he was always behind me. You know, Jockety was too. Um, they'd ask me questions about it, you know, because... Um, you know, they, they were just starting to learn about this stuff too. I think everybody was, it's a little bit different now. I would have handled it different, but, uh, they always had my back and, you know, I called Tony many times, uh, after that for years and he'd always answer and, and, uh, you know, always, always give me a little pep talk. And, uh, you know, when I, when I saw him last November, the first thing he said was, you know, man, I'm so glad I played you in game two. I'm, I'm so glad, you know, he goes. You know, if, if it wasn't for that triple against the Brewers, and we wouldn't have made it. And if it wasn't for that, uh, for that triple uh, in Game Two, and then the double, you know, off Wagner later in that game, he goes, "We we probably wouldn't have won that series, and, and we would have never won the World Series." He goes, "With your with your home run in Game Six in 2002, and the, and that triple and double, you're responsible for two World Series. You're directly responsible for two World Series." And I say, "Hey, man." Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. You know, not that I agree with that, but it was pretty neat that uh, he he remembers that and and uh, and said that. You know, to my dad. First, he was trying to hide from me. He was like <laughs> acting like he was hiding from me, but he's an awesome dude. He's he's just uh, incredible, and and I think he's with the Angels now. So, you know, having Joe Madden and him over there, boy, they might be a tough team to beat here soon. I can see those two arguing a lot too about uh, st- st- strategy and ideas, but that I, I do think it'll be fun. I, Joe Madden is obviously a different cat. Did you get to see him around as a coach back in the day? Because he was a coach, right, with the Angels at that point. Yeah, he was. He was our bench coach with the Angels for four years, and uh, he was he was one of my favorites too. Um, totally different personalities, but uh, he really, you know, he really talked about you know jug runs and getting first to third and things like that. He had, he, he had a different approach than like Mike Sosha and Tony LaRusso. They'll be a good, I think they'll be a good pair together. But, you know, every time I call, you know, once the uh, Joe came to the Cubs, I'd always call him for tickets and, and he'd, I go, Hey, you think you can get me six for tonight? And he'd be like, you, yeah, you paid for my daughter's wedding, you know, too. So, <laughs> you know, with the playoff share. So uh, he's always been really good to me, and, and I'm excited that he's back there, and I'm excited Tony's with him. Yeah, yeah. free free tickets all the time. I was going to say. Yeah, right. you, you mentioned kind of the issues in 07, and we talked about it the last time, and I thought you were, you were really open and candid about it. So I was just curious how things are going. I know at that point, I think you were at 14, 16 months, something sober. Are we still kind of yeah. doing well? Talk about that. I, I just think it was an, a really good conversation we had. I felt bad that it didn't sound right, but – 
I thought you opened up and said a lot of stuff that people would be interested to hear that, that things are really going well for you. And it, and it took a long time. So how, how long has it been? And just talk about just this road to recovery. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, boy, I think like 27 months, uh, that I've, I've been totally sober. Um, you know, I, it was weird for me because I never had a problem with alcohol and, and never even saw a drug until I was like 33 and a half years old. And, uh, you know, I, I think what I started drinking after I, I blew out my T6 and T7 discs in, uh, in spring training in 2004. And people were telling me I wasn't going to walk and wasn't going to, uh, you know, be able to play again. And I, I started getting depressed. I was with a new team. I didn't have, you know, my core guys like, you know, Eckstein and Garrett Anderson and Tim Salmon or, you know, Orlando Palmero and, and all those, you know, my, my Christian friends, uh, back in, in Anaheim and it, you know, it happened in spring training. So I hadn't established a, a, a new group of friends yet. And I, you know, I started, I had nothing to do. So I started going out and trying to hang out, trying to, you know, build friendships with them. And, and one thing led to another, I started drinking more. I ended up getting divorced and, and, uh, you know, I got remarried, uh, probably to not the, the best person that I should have been married to, not saying anything against her, but it, it probably wasn't the best thing for me. And, uh, you know, later on, uh, after I got released, I, I tried, uh, cocaine for my first time. And, and, uh, you know, it wasn't really a problem in 2006, but, um, See, I started it and I tried it in in like November 2005. And, you know, I really didn't have a problem with it at all. Um, And I I did drink quite a bit after games and stuff. But, you know, that was kind of the norm back then. And uh, so I didn't, you know, there was a lot of guys that were doing it. So I I guess I was like fitting in. Um, 2007, it started to become a problem. And, uh, you know, I finally, I didn't know. I was afraid to say anything, you know, um, you know, my relationship with my second wife started getting rocky and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I was ashamed. I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to do. And finally I, I, you know, I couldn't hide it anymore. And I told, I told, uh, Walt Jockety and Tony and, and they, they said, well, let's get you help. And the way it came out wasn't the best way because, you know, we were trying to not let it get out, uh, so that I could deal with it. With, and, and it got out, I, we still don't know how. And, uh, you know, that ended up kind of hampering my, you know, my rehab stint a little bit because everybody knew and everybody knew me in there. Um, I think I came back too soon, but, um, you know, I, I then, you know, I had the wreck in, in and, uh, like December 30th, 2007. And, uh, I was, I had went to rehab after that and felt good. Um, but when it came out in spring training, I think, you know, uh, um, Zaylock, you know, he just thought, you know, this, this is like the third strike against, you know, we had Hancock incident, you know, Tony got, you know, pulled over in spring training and then that, and, and, you know, I, I, I didn't want to be a distraction. They didn't want a distraction. And, and I w- I wish that we could have got through that because I think I would have been fine. Um, uh, oh. I, okay, you're still there. I see you. <laughs> um, you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, but uh, you know, I wish I wish I could have. We could have got through that. I think I I would have rebounded fine. But then when once I was released, then then I was like I was in a bad place, and and I and my addiction started getting worse. Drinking started getting worse. I was going through a divorce. I I kept battling though. You know, I battled for for a long time, and. Uh, you know, I ended up going to like 11 rehabs and, and it was like 10 years. And, uh, you know, finally, I, you know, I just said, I, I've had enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, I thank God I didn't, I didn't get into this stuff until late, you know, in my career. But had I not gotten into it, you know, a lot of things would have uh, been different. You know, I would have been there for my kids more. I think I would have been able to play another six, seven years even because I was a switch hitter, I could pinch hit off the bench, I could play every position, and, and I was healthy and strong. But, uh, you know, the hardest thing for me, too, was, was like, forgiving myself for that. You know, I, I knew God forgave me. Um, but just 
getting over the what ifs and stuff and just saying, you know what? Hey, that's over now. Let's, let's try to help other people, um, you know, not make the same mistakes I did, you know, other players, other, other, you know, I've talked to, to a lot of college athletes, both uh, men and women and, uh, you know, you know, guys on, on my team, um, you know, I've just been people, people around town here, you know, high school kids. Um, and, and I, I, I'm pretty uh, open about it on, on social media and I've, I've gotten a lot of, uh, uh, messages, you know, asking, how, you know, where, what should I do? How do I, you know, how can I get help? Even from my hometown here, people that you'd never suspect. Um, it, you know, I know if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody, um, whether it be prescription or, or illegal or alcohol or gambling. And uh, the biggest thing is to, to know that you're not alone and, and to, you know, forgive yourself and just go try to get as much help as you can. And I, I had, a, had this philosophy where instead of feeling bad for myself and piling on, I said, you know, move a muscle, change the thought. Uh, my whole thing was go out in the yard and pick up, pick up a stick and put it in a pile, you know, pick up one stick and then the next day pick up two. And then before you know it, you got piles everywhere. And it was just instead of sitting there and feeling sorry for myself and, you know, it wasn't always feeling sorry for myself. You know, you, you end up doing it and you have a, a short little high, you know, whether it's drinking or whatever, but then it always, you always come down harder. And instead of that, you know, I just had to get back to my natural self. And, uh, you know, now it's been, you know, I think over 20, that's yeah, over 27 months um, since I had my last drink. And I feel better than ever. I'm back to myself again. You know, um, it, you know, I, my son always said, it's never too late. You know, it's never too late. And, and I never gave up my whole life. And, and you know, my, my whole message is don't give, don't give up, you know, because, things when you feel when you're in the middle of an addiction you feel like you can never climb out but you can and once you get out it's it's an amazing life and it's amazing how quickly you can get back to yourself and and to help those around you and to build rebuild those relationships that you had with your family your kids and and your true friends and that it's it's really good for me to be in my hometown now because everybody just calls me scott you know i'm just scott i'm not uh, the World Series champion. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm none of that. I'm just a guy from Nettle Creek School, you know, with its 70 kids, kindergarten through eighth grade. And, uh, you know, I just had a, a, we had a little, right before Father's Day, we had all my coaches from high school and grade school and even some teachers there. And it was just, you know, a bunch of my old teammates from high school and grade school. And it, it those are the people that are, that really surrounded me with love and, uh, and it's, it's just been amazing to, it's kind of like the prodigal son has come home and, uh, you know, they're really supportive. And that's what I tell other people, you know, change, change people, places and things, um, you know, get the, the bad apples away from you, go back to your roots and, and, uh, and really focus on, on being a, a good friend to other people, you know, try to get the focus off you and get it on other people and helping other people and that, that'll, That'll help you in the long run. That's so cool. And I, I did not know. I mean, I knew the last time we talked that it that took a long time for you. It's really amazing that it, it yeah. yeah, I didn't know it was 11 rehabs. I knew it took a lot of years, but I'm so happy that it worked out for you. How, how hard is it to play like that in 07? I mean, because I remember there were times where I think you got, you were at second base and got dizzy and they said, oh, he's got signed. Like they, they had to come up with the reasons why it was in Pittsburgh. I'm in Milwaukee. I remember like you couldn't get into the game. And it was really kind of like, oh man, it's Scott. I hope he's okay. Like I just, we didn't know yeah. how hard was it to play with that kind of in the background where you definitely want to continue your career, you want to do well, but you don't want to embarrass your team, you don't want to embarrass yourself. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. It's not you know, it's not like you want to do it, but it's almost like you get addicted and you you have to keep doing it or else you feel even worse. And especially with playing every day, so you know, you're, you're, it was, you know, I was abusing my body and, and mentally it was really hard. And, and I got sick a lot. Like I'd get infections, sick, uh, sore, you know, horrible sore throat. So, um, it, I mean, it was, it was, you know, wreaking havoc on my body and it was, it was really hard. And, and I, like I said, I was afraid to say anything because I, I, I wanted to play, you know, but looking back, I should have just been more honest right away and 
I, I think we would have cleared it up, you know, but I kept trying to play with it. And, I mean, I'm really amazed that I was able to hit as well as I did that year. And even though, you know, I, I wasn't in the, in the right state of mind to, to be there, you know, and, and playing, but, um, you know, I, I guess it's just, I just had to go up there and just say, trust your hands, you know, but there was a lot of times that it was, it was very hard, you know, and, and some of my teammates, you know, knew it, you know, uh, Isringhausen, Carpenter, you know, they, they look at me and just shake their head and they're like, I don't know how you do it. You know? and, and I'm like, I don't know either, you know, <laughs> but it was just, I wish there was a lot of things I could take back, but I can't, you know. Um, and I just did what I thought was best at the time, but looking back, it wasn't, you know. But, uh, you know, I'm still here, and uh, hopefully people can learn from me. And, and uh, you know, it, if I had one piece of advice, never try a drug ever. <laughs> and if you're and with, you know, prescriptions, I never had a problem with prescriptions. But anything, you know, that's legal, you know, marijuana, I guess now, uh, prescription drugs and, and uh, alcohol, if you're leaning on something and you're having to, you know, you're feeling like you, have, you get home from work and you got to, you know, drink, you know, a case of beer or something at five o'clock or, you know, you need a shot by 3.30 in the afternoon, you might want to look into it a little bit and cut it back because it can definitely change your life in, in a negative way and, and I think a lot of people depend on it too much and, and uh, you know rationalize it um, I'm not trying to say don't go drink or don't go have fun, fun with your friends but when it becomes a, a, a problem you know you really have to step back and say you know what maybe I should change my ways a little bit well, what I will say is that people, I will think, will more remember as a Cardinal fan the the triple against the Mets and the triple against the Brewers. And I think this is just one of those postscript things. Uh, so I, I think that's a good sign. And then the best thing is that you're recovered and things are going well. I think I do have to ask, though, I mean, people love the tattoo you had. I'm assuming that had to go. Uh, how long did it take to get rid of the, the shoulder tattoo of the uh, ex-wife? Uh, or is it still there? I mean, it's it's it's. it's Kind of almost all the way. I, I was finishing it, and then I I just haven't been, had time to go finish it. But it's across now. Um, yeah, it didn't take that long. You know, a couple sittings. I'll have one more, and it'll it'll be totally gone. But it's been kind of halfway unfinished for like six years now. So I got to get it get it done. But yeah, I mean that was a, that was a part of my life. I I, I guess. You know, we had a decent relationship for, for you know, three or four years. And, you know, I wish her the best. And, uh, you know, I've, I've moved on and I'm sure she has too. But uh, that was, it was definitely a, a different time down there. It was, it was a lot of fun. 2006 was something we'll never forget, you know, and especially the, the teammates. You know, that, you know, relationship, that relationship came and went. Um, you know, it was, it was a mistake. But, uh, you know, the... The team that we had down there, that'll that'll be around forever, you know. Banners are always going to be hanging forever. I hope you can laugh at this story, but I want to tell it because I don't know if you remember. Uh, one spring training, I believe it was 07. It was not a good one for you, maybe even 08. We, uh, we had asked you, hey, we want to do something uh, off-site from the Jupiter campus. Let's go, you know, let's go grocery shopping. And you and your wife said, hey, we're going to get a massage or, or mani-pedi or something. So we came along with you. You guys started your mani-pedi, and then you guys fell asleep. And we were waiting. We were trying to wrap it up. And this went on for hours. And at like 6 o'clock, me and Jim Hayes were like, I think we're just going to have to let it just sort of be to be continued. I don't know if you remember, but uh, yeah, we never got an end. I don't think we ever got to show it because I think you were released, unfortunately, uh, maybe a week later. But <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I bet you don't. But it was fun for us because we thought – can we eat dinner or is he gonna be mad that we left so yes i am assuming that at that point you were having uh, a good time but but better times now i should say but i always remember that story because it was so funny people think this is such a fun business but us waiting for scott spezio and his wife to wake up from a manicure and pedicure for three hours outside of some asian shop made us laugh uh hysterically and we still talk about i i I haven't had a manicure and a pedicure since i got divorced so uh that was that was strictly her uh, most likely that was probably in 2007 because 2008 when I came back I was I was back in you know I, w- I I was getting tested three times a week in spring training so 
um, you know, it, it was probably 2007. If it was 2008, then I don't know. I must have been tired or something. But <laughs> I just remember we kept, we kept looking to see if you guys woke up, and it, that never happened. And I just said, I think they're, they're, they're probably doing something fun in there. We should probably leave them alone. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. Yikes. Yeah, well, it's just clean. <laughs> Again, fun memories for me. I, I just, but that's again from the the you were one of those colorful characters from that team, and people, like I said, they remember the tattoo and the red, and and you sort of embodied the spirit of that team. So it's it's always fun, like I said, to talk about uh, that team. Sand Frog, I know, was a band way back in the day. Are you playing any music? Are you are you putting any albums out? Uh, you know what stinks is we we had written a whole album. You know, we had been working on it for for years and uh, had. 10 songs on a cd it's it's on spotify if you go on spotify or apple music or anything you can get it or listen to it uh, you know if you listen to a song on on spotify i get like 0. 0.0004 cents or something so we had uh so i tell people to play it while they're sleeping so that way i can you know add it up but uh no, I mean, we were all set. We had memorabilia and, and, you know, swag and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, we were, we were talking about selling it at the stadium, you know, with, you know, three, over three million people every year at that stadium. I'm sure we could have sold quite a bit. I pumped a lot of money into it, you know, I don't know, 75 grand or maybe a hundred grand to do it. And, uh, we went down to Atlanta, recorded it. We had some of the, uh, you know, the seven dust drummer, uh, Morgan Rose was the producer he played on a couple tracks we had uh rich ward from stuck mojo play some some guitar on it uh you know clint from seven dust john from seven dust um playing a few tracks and the guys from my hometown and uh we were really looking forward to you know maybe in 2008 releasing it you know doing some shows on the road maybe you know won it you know in boston or something if we had a uh a day game um you know like saturday day game or something and playing it that night uh you know doing it around the country but you know i ended up getting released uh and and from there we we never really pushed it at all you know i I, that's a a kind of a regret because i think it's you know if you listen to it today and you like that kind of music it still stands up you know i think uh i think there's a lot of people that you know everybody that that likes that music that's listened to it likes it so so anybody that likes, you know, Disturbed, Seven Dust, uh, you know, Godsmack type stuff, um, and there's no cuss words in it. So, you know, that's one thing I said, I'm not cussing on the album. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of message, you know. There's a song on there called Save Yourself that, uh, you know, is about, you know, God like reaching out to you and saying, hey, you know, you're lying to me. I'm here, can't you see? I'm here to save you. Um, but, you know, you know, so I was kind of talking to myself. There's one called Dust, Dust It Off, you know, making up for all my bad decisions. I'm dusted off, believe what you're seeing. And, and so I, going into 2008, I was, I was ready, you know, to, to come over this. And, 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 you know, it just, it didn't work out. You know, I wish it would have been different, like I said. And then when I went to Atlanta, I didn't want to be in Atlanta. So, you know, I just kind of blew up after that. Um, but, yeah, check it. Check it out. There's a song called "Past You." It's about running from your past and things like that. And there's a, there's some good lyrics and some good tunes on that. You know, "Tear Tear from a Well" is is about my my ex wife. <laughs> so, uh, you know, every rock star has a song about their ex wife. David covered it. I mean, everyone's got one. So don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know. Yeah, steal another tear from the well along the way. There's nothing left. I've given you everything. And that, yeah, that, <laughs> in more ways than one, <laughs> that, that's true. Oh, that woman's probably got a few dollars from you, I'm guessing, what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah. There's a few of them. Uh, um, you know, those are, that's a regret. I, you know, I never should have gotten the divorce the first time. And, but, you know, the good thing is, my, you know, my first wife is doing great. We're friends. Uh, she's remarried to a great guy. Um, I couldn't have picked a better guy to, you know, for, for her to, you know, have around my children and, uh, you know, we're friends and my kids are, are doing great, you know? And so that's, I get to see them quite a bit, you know, we're all in this small town here You know, I'm a mile from, from my kids, a mile from my parents and, and about three miles from my parents' store. So 
it's it's cool you know yeah i complain about social media facebook and i can't stand it and i don't like i don't write anything but it's good to always catch up with people like you and brian jordan like see these guys at fantasy camp and then become friendly again and it's we hadn't get a chance to talk so um, it was that's how we connected again. I do this with the, the players that come on, or who else? Who, if anyone comes on, I open baseball cards. If you don't mind, I'm gonna open a, open a pack here. 91 Fleer, so it's a little before you, but maybe we'll get some some teammates, and may, maybe we'll see you know someone you used to play with. You never know. They're hard to they're hard to open though. I've got, I've got the whole 91 Fleer. I collected from like 82 through about 93, I think. Like. All packs. They're they're harder to open than they look. All right, here we go. <laughs> so you collected, you say. You were a collector of baseball cards. Yes. You still have them? I collected. Yeah, well, my kids do now. Yeah, they've got them all. I think I had 100,000 or 200,000 cards. It was something crazy. We've got Zane Smith. Hmm. Lefty Pirates. He was with the Braves. I used to. He was a little lefty through, through slow and beat the Cardinals a lot. Oh, here we go. I don't know if you played with him. Maybe eh, he was an Angel, but a Cardinal, Joe McGrain. Oh yeah, I think I, I. I can't remember if I. I think I hit against him. I'm not sure though. He was a White Sox, I think, in '96. Okay, he ended his career probably with the White Sox, but. You may have crossed. He was an angel for like 93, 94. Maybe saw him in spring training. Um, he's I remember, on. I remember watching him, but I, I don't know. 96 is when I came up at the end of the season. So who knows? Maybe you faced this. Uh, this is the all lefty, all lefty pack here. We've got Jimmy Key. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Key. Did you hit him at all? You remember hitting? Yeah, Jimmy Key. You remember hitting him at all or? Oh, yeah, I remember. Did he go to the Yankees at the end? Yeah, he was a Yankee for a while there. He was a tough lefty. He was a long – he was a time, all-timer. There was a game against uh, – we played against them, and uh, he was throwing – it was like John Hirschbeck behind home plate, and he was throwing to Girardi, and everything was like a foot outside, and he kept calling strikes. And we told Girardi, might as well stay in the dugout on the first baseline because – it's still a strike if he throws directly to you in the dugout. So that's what I remember about Jimmy Key. That's what we're looking for, stories. I think this guy may have been a coach on the Angels. We got Mickey Hatcher. Mickey Mickey Hatcher? Oh, yeah. So Hatcher was my hitting coach for the Angels for four years. And uh, so before I got to the Cardinals, I had a full goatee. Now, with the Angels, I used to um, put – red streaks on my hair and then in my goatee i had this red but the rest was black and so when i did it i got really hot and so but i did like with the cardinals i dyed it every day with the angels i had i had somebody do it and then it would fade out so if i wasn't hitting good he'd take a red sharpie and color it in for me before i went to the plate and it worked and he was a nut i remember he was a nut job type guy when he played for the Dodgers, but he was a part of that 88 team that people love. And that's what, that's how I remember him because he was on that team. And I think he had a home run in uh, the world series. He did. He did. This is yeah. uh, one of my favorites. And I'm so happy to see that we've got Andy Bennis again here. This is uh, he was on this last, he was the last guy I think I interviewed, but we got Andy Bennis. I don't know if you knew him at all, but look how young that guy looks. Yeah. So um, Andy Bennis, his, his um, brother, Alan Bennis, um, was a prospect around here, and uh, both of us went to the University of Illinois on a recruiting trip. I think he went to ended up going to Creighton instead, but um, I, I so I got to know Alan pretty well. And one thing I remember about Andy Bennis, I think he made the All Star team one time, and uh, and Harry Carey for some reason was talking about you know the All Star lineup, and I just remember Harry Carey saying, and Andy Bennis from South Dakota. You know, not San Diego, but South Dakota. <laughs> Good old Harry. <laughs> I'll do it. I, I like doing it. Here's Andy Battles from South Dakota. All right. <laughs> I don't know if you remember Kevin Elster here. Oh, I remember Elster. Yeah, well, he was, was he a shortstop? Yeah, he was a Met for a while, and then I know he yeah. 
made it. I think a Ranger maybe, but he played a long time. Phillies or something. Yeah, yeah. I I remember watching them. These are these are ugly cards by this 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 ninety one Fleer yellow. Who went with yellow? Not the greatest. Okay, I don't. I don't. Sergio Valdez, I sort of remember, but I, I'm gonna guess this is just another reliever. Not. I don't remember him. We'll move on. Okay, here's a good one. This guy was. This guy was tough. I think might have been an angel. Kevin Apier. Did he become an angel? Apier. Oh yeah, I played with Apier um, with uh, Oakland. When when he was with Oakland, he he was with me. Oh wait, no. Yeah, yeah, he was with me with Oakland, and then when I went to the. Uh, Angels, um, I hit. I remember I hit two home runs off him, like one of the first games that I went back uh, to play in Oakland, and I was mad because I was pissed that they they let me go. Thank God they did though, because uh, you know it was way better going to the Angels and winning the World Series. But uh, yeah, then he came to the Angels, and he actually was on our 2002. I think he was our number two pitcher. Um, Looks like he's really giving it all right here, though, huh? He's really into that windup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was a, he was a different breed, man. I remember uh, we were up five nothing. Uh, I think going into the second inning uh, in game like two of the World Series, I, I think it was game two, if I remember right. And you know, we were walking bonds all the time, and uh, you know. We were up five nothing, and and Bonds was leading off the inning because he was the fourth hitter, and Sosa said, "Hey, just go after him." Well, he walked him, you know, like on four pitches. He was scared of him, and Bonds gets to first base, and he's like, "Man, they they still walking me." I'm like, "Well, actually, no." Sosa said, uh, "You know, you should you should throw to him," and he goes, "He can't throw to me. He throws over the plate. It's gone." So I'm like, "Wow, that guy's confident," <laughs> but he's right. Everything we threw him over the plate, he hit, and not only hit, but you know, hit about five hundred feet. Well, I think the the one off of Percival is like memorable. It was like a a, sh- a shooting star. This is into the night. It was beautiful. I I don't know if Troy loved it, but it was a beautiful shot for. No, he didn't mind it. He said, "I'm going to challenge him." We still had a run, so you know, we had two. He had a two run lead, and he just went after him. It was fun to watch. It's a St. Louisan or a South Dakotan. <laughs> this is Scott Cooper, former former Red Sox. Oh yeah, I remember him. Yeah, he was a good hitter. I think he was a batting. Was he... I don't think he was a batting. I was gonna say a batting title winner, but no. yeah, he was a good hitter. I remember that. Curtis Curtis Wilkerson comes up all the time. Just a Cub, just a little guy. Yeah, I remember watching him play. <laughs> we got Cardinal here, Todd. Todd Worrell, fireman, closer. I think he was out of the league by the time you were in. Great mustache there on the back, though. Fu Man chewing it. Still. With his brother, his brother, uh, uh, Tim Worrell, right? Yeah. Yeah, he he played with him uh, in Oakland, and then um, we faced him in the World Series. He was with the Giants. His his brother and I used to have fun. I remember in Cleveland, we'd go to like, I don't know if it was a Dave and Buster's or ESPN zone or something like that. And we'd be super competitive playing, you know, pop a shot, and, you know, all those, all those games in the arcade, but it was a lot of fun. Last one. And I was going to ask about this. I, I know he was a teammate and I was shocked by this when I did my research, 1997 teammate of yours, one of the bash brothers. What was that like playing with? And in '97, you had McGuire and you had you had Canseco on the same team. Canseco obviously was back from the Texas Rangers and Red Sox yeah. in his last year, I think. Um, what was that like playing with those guys? Oh, it was crazy. I mean, it, it was it was different. You know, I don't think they were as close as they were yeah. earlier in their career. Um, it kind of it went it went a little sideways after that, I think, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was neat, you know. We, we were hoping that they'd you know start doing the Bash Brother stuff again, but they never did the forearm bashes and stuff. But uh, I was pretty close to, to McGuire and and Giambi. McGuire always he kind of took me under his wing, but he always messing with me. And Giambi was I think only a year older than me, so him and I were were pretty good buddies too. The Canseco was just. 
he was kind of a different breed, but he was he was hilarious. He'd do a lot of funny, funny stuff, you know. And then, actually, I think I, somewhere in somewhere with the Angels, one year he was in spring training with us, um, and I remember him saying that he was he could still run like a four, you know, a four three down the first or whatever. And, and I was like, okay, I think I can beat. He's like, you want to race? And we we raced from the, you know from the foul line. And he pulled his hamstring, and then he he pulled it so bad they cut him in spring training. (laughs) So that was the last. I don't know if he ever played again after that. But uh, he he always had, you know, some kind of business proposition, too. You know, like uh, he was going to start a financial management company or, you know, he was was something. I'm I'm still friends with him on on Facebook. (laughs) I haven't talked to him in a while, though. We We were trying to get him to see if he'd play in our league, you know, for fun. But he said he needed he needed so much money per game and paid in cash before the game started. So, you know, we couldn't do it. But it, it would have been fun. There's probably a 30 for 30 in that guy because that's funny. I remember back in when he was huge in the 80s, late 80s, he had his own hotline. You could call it and he would talk about what he did that night. Hey, yeah, there's Jose. I'm in Minnesota. Boy, there's no bars here open after one. This is t- It was hilarious to me. I didn't call it. I'm not oh t- my God. But it did. That's yeah. what they played on the uh, thing. Scott, that's all the baseball cards I have. I, I think I've gone way too long. I apologize, but I appreciate the time. I know you got a big game tonight. Anything you want to mention? I know I know your, your dad was going to – you and him are going to have a, a special bobblehead that they were going to give away at the Cardinal game. It sucks that we can't go to the games this year. Maybe next year we'll see you here at Bush. But anything uh, you want to talk about about your team and how to get tickets and let people know that they can still watch baseball in person if they're uh, in the St. Louis area and they want to drive up to Joliet. Yeah, I mean, if you're in the mood to see some some good baseball, some live baseball, um, if you just go to Joliet Slammers uh, website, um, you know, call call the direct you know, call them direct or, or buy online. I think they're fifteen bucks a piece. Joliet, Illinois, it's right downtown. Um, you know, we, we're playing uh, through September sixth is the last game, so it should be fun. Yeah, the bobblehead was supposed to be, I think, this June fourteenth or something like that. I don't know how many they were. I don't know if they're selling them. If there's a thousand, ten thousand, I'm not sure. I, I was asking, trying to ask Larry State that question before we got on to see if I could have it for everybody. But I, I posted about it, and now everybody from my hometown and my family is like, "I want one! I want one!" So it should be fun. You know, it's it's kind of a neat thing. You know, being the only father son to to win uh, it with the, win a World Series with the same organization, I'm pretty sure we're the only one with two apiece too. So uh, to, to, for both of us to have that that bobblehead with you know both of us wearing twenty six for the Cardinals, you know, with the uh, eleven championships under the organization's belt is is pretty special, you know. So uh, other than that, you know, I, I was thinking about having a, a Soul Patch podcast um, where I, I had a uh, I did a pilot podcast um, with a, a doctor and a, a, a therapist. Um, he also owns. Uh, rehab center in West Palm Beach, Florida, and uh, you know we might go ahead with that. We it looked pretty good. We we're fine tuning it, but it's just where you know I would talk to ex teammates or ex uh, baseball players that had problems. Like Jason Grimsley was a guy that was going to be going to be on it, and uh, you know maybe a, a guy like Dave Mustaine from Megadeth or or uh, you know Clint uh, Lowry from Seven Dust or you know other. Duff McKeon from from uh, Guns N' Roses. Uh, there, there's a lot of players and, and musicians I know that struggle with that. Just and also, you know, like maybe my dad w- uh, was going to be on it and talk about, you know, family. Um, you know, he he's never dealt. My my parents were never drinkers or anything like that. And uh, so for them to deal to go through with it, to go through it, and you know, kind of get blindsided by it because. You know, I was never a drinker. And then all of a sudden, you know, late in my career uh, in life, um, you know, it happened. So it was going to be it's it's going to be something like that. I don't know exactly what format we're going to have them, but I'll, I'll let you know if we, we end up doing it here soon. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a heads up on it. We'll promote it. And again, 
everyone has a podcast now, so congrats. It's 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 like pub it's like it's like public access. I always say, uh, and this rock and roll thing—that's a super group of people right there. I, I did not know you had such a great rolodex of rock and roll people. Maybe the next time we chat here in a couple months, maybe next year, we talk rock and roll because I'm a huge rock and roll fan. I had no idea you knew Dave Mustaine and Duff McKagan. I mean, right there—that's a that's a super group. Yeah, Zach Wild. I mean, there's the you know from Ario Speedwagon to you know to Event Sevenfold. Wait, if you know Kevin Cronin, we're gonna have a problem. Are you friends with Kevin Cronin? <laughs> oh yeah, I got up and sang with him. I I was up there singing "Keep On Rolling." It was actually in 2007, right after I got out of rehab. I, I was up on stage down there. It used to be called like the Tweeter Center or something like that. And uh, I, I I'm like, they're like, get up and, and start singing. I'm like. Which which song? They go, just sing, keep on rolling. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So. It does get very easy at the end. Just keep on rolling. <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah. I think it was the mid-90s before I even knew they were from kind of Urbana, Champaign, that there was yeah. four guys walking around Bush Stadium with long hair, and then it got out, oh, REO Speedwagon's here. I'm like, makes sense. That's got to be them. But that's that's very cool. That yeah. that's a Well, you have some stories. You need a book. I know, yeah. I mean, I, I was backstage to a lot of stuff. Corn and, I mean, Aerosmith and... Oh, tell me an Aerosmith story. Tell me an Aerosmith Let's end on an Aerosmith story. That's one of my favorite. Them and Foo Fighters. I, I don't really have any great ones with them, but uh, they had me set up uh, where it was in Boston um, with Kid Rock. Kid Rock was opening for them. So it was, it was just, it was amazing. And then... Of course, we had, uh, you know, we, we got Steven Tyler to come in and, and sing God Bless America for the Cardinals, you know. But, I mean, there, there's great Kid Rock. Uh, I saw him backstage in Chicago like in 19, uh, it would have been January in 2000. That's where I, I met Seven Dust. Metallica was there. Um, yeah, we were, we, were, we were, you know, drinking and stuff then. But, you know, I, I would drink a little bit, but it was more like, here and there, you know, but uh, I remember going out with um, with David Wells and, and Lars Ulrich from from Metallica during spring training in 2005, and we were out a little bit too long. I think I think we didn't get back till like six in the morning, and uh, you know, I I showed up at spring training. I think he was with the Padres at the time. I was with the Mariners, and we we shared a complex, and and uh, David Wells didn't show up that day, so. But there was there was some fun times, you know. There was a lot of guys, you know, Zach Wild who played with Ozzy. You know, he uh, he had some uh, some issues, and now he, he's he's playing this over and has been for a long time. And and uh, you know, the seven guys, just guys, I've been friends with them, big friends with them, especially Morgan. Uh, you know, I I've seen those guys probably fifty times. You know, and uh, you know, been in the studio with them when they recorded their own albums. Uh, you know, uh, Micah Naz from Alice in Chains uh, played uh, Johnny Tempesta from, uh, from. Okay, Blank. enough names dropped, Scott. We got it. This is amazing. I did not realize you had all those connect. Those are great stories. I remember the Steven Tyler one's funny. Is uh, a buddy of mine. We went to that game that he sang at uh, Bush Stadium um, in the seventh inning or whatever it was. And before that happened, my buddy went to the bathroom. He goes, there's a, there's a guy who looks like Steven Tyler taking a piss in the bathroom. And this is before he came out. And so he comes out to do his thing. He was like, holy, that was Steven Tyler. And I guess Steven Tyler was just walking around the ballpark before that happened. So that's pretty funny to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, after the 2002 World Series, um, they wanted – I had my band out there for the whole playoffs. And I had like 45 people. It cost me like 50 grand to have everybody out there with tickets and hotels and flights and stuff. And we were supposed to, uh, they wanted us to play the best damn sports show period. And my band's like, we got to go back to work. So I was scrambling and I got uh, splashed. Um, well, my buddy, Scott Uchita, who worked for Dunlap Manufacturing, uh, pedal company, picks, all that stuff, um, you know, knew all these musicians. And he's the one that really introduced me to everything, uh, everyone. And uh, so he, he got Duff and, and Slash and Matt Sorum as my, you know, my guitar, my, my bass and, uh, and drums. And, uh, and then at the last second, like, 
Scott Wheeling started coming in the picture and they started Velvet Revolver. And so then I was like, man, we're supposed to play in two days on the show. And I got to teach him one of my songs, you know, which is cool. So he ended up getting Mike Inez, uh, uh, Johnny Tempesta, and Zach Wild uh, to be my backup group. All bands I love, too, you know, Zom- like Zombie, uh, Alice in Chains, and of course, Ozzy. And then Zach also has Black Label Society. But uh, they, so they got together. We got together. I got a, a, you know, a place to rehearse for one night. We played my song like twice, and all we did the other times was play other songs from Alice Chains. And I was trying to sing with them, and, and I've got it on, on uh, video somewhere. But uh, we got to the, the thing the next day, and it was um, Jim, uh, Jim, Jim Miller. Yeah, uh, no, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, uh, Rome, Jim Rome. Jim Rome, it was, so we are at Fox, and I got these guys. You know, we barely know my song, which I wrote like under the sheets, you know, in, in Seattle one day trying to, to sing and play guitar. I didn't want to wake up, you know, people in the, the hotel room next to me. And we get there and Jim Miller or Jim Rome is on his last show. And we're there at 10 in the morning and, and Zach's drinking his sarsaparillas is what he called them, his beer that early. You know, at that time I wasn't. But um, he's, he's blaring. He's got six. Marshall half stacks. Uh, we got you know uh, four Ampeg uh, eight by twelve uh, <laughs> amps blaring, and Jim Rome is yelling, "Tell him to shut up!" This I'm trying to take my last show, you know, before he moved networks, and uh, Zach Wilds yelling on there, "Tell him to call me Chris! Tell him to call <laughs> me Chris! I'll beat your blank and blank!" And we recorded it. Those guys were killing it. Zach didn't really know the words to the part of the song, and I only had two, like two or three wedges in front of me. I couldn't hear a thing. I'm like trying to see if I'm on key, you know. And, and uh, it's on YouTube if you look it up. It's, uh, you know, I don't sound that great, but it's it's pretty neat to have guys that you you worshipped as far as musicians play one of your songs that you wrote, and uh, and you know have it last forever on YouTube now. So yeah, look it up. It's, you know Scott Spezio, Zach Wild, Mike Inez on uh, on the Best Damn Sports Show. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Like I said, now I'm now we're going to be talking music the next time. I think more than anything else. Uh, like I said, all the time, and uh, it's just great to see that things are going well for you, and uh, good to see that you're back with your family and up in Illinois and just kind of living life again. It's awesome. So Scott. Appreciate you joining. This is uh, Here's the Pitch, and it's sponsored by Masters Restaurants, five locations, stlmasters.com. That'll do it. We'll see you next time.